everybody. I'm happy to be here with you tonight on a Friday. But not just any Friday. It's the first Friday of July. July 1st. The first Friday, the first day of July. So I hope you've all been having a good day. It's been a steamy one over here in New York. You know, life is up and down. But I had a day of work. All types of work. All types of responsibilities. And now we get to come here and do something a little bit more universal and uh, and have a good time. Now, I have some grab bag stuff to do, so I'll get some headlines out of the way. But after I do that, we are going to kick this show off and we are going to welcome back our friend, returning guest, Jay Gulinello. He is a based nutritionist. Based. And he's the brains behind perpetualhealth.co. And we're going to be talking about a big range of topics, especially some, especially about eating mindsets, the mindset that you bring into summer barbecue season. Want to talk about gluten a little bit. What the hell's the deal with that? Everybody likes talking about it. Nobody can explain what it is. Uh, I have a lot of other things, pre and post workout windows. There's a lot of myths on that that I've uh, carried around with me for a long time, but there's so much more, and I know that Jay has brought a lot here. It's going to be a compelling night of just uh, just general chatter, banter, and really interesting stuff that is going to apply to all of your lives because you're all eating food, and the food that you uh, you eat could either be a medicine or a poison, and we are, for the most part as a country, poisoning ourselves to death. And maybe with every last one of these conversations, we're able to bring ourselves to a new plateau of understanding. And after this show concludes, we're going to wrap it up around 8.30, 8.35-ish again. We have the final session. The final session of the first ever, quite frankly, book club assembly. It's the final assembly, I should say, for Malachi Martin's Windswept House. And what an experience this has been. So, uh... Stick around for that afterwards if you want to see the uh, the exciting conclusion in all of the, the talks that me and Timothy Gordon have as we go through these, these final 41 pages. And then I believe that next week we're still going to be getting together because Timothy Gordon is going to be bringing on a friend of his who has a, a pretty interesting background, including being a personal friend of Malachi Martin. So we'll be able to talk to someone who knew him. One degree of separation, that should be a really exciting night. But we have to do tonight first. And I want to thank you all again for being here. And I also want to uh, thank my sponsors. And because I wasn't uh, on uh, I wasn't on Tuesday, I kind of screwed up my, my flow here. So I want to thank both of them tonight. If you go to the affiliates page, you can find both of our top sponsors. And that is secretnaturecbd.com. And BlueMonsterPrep.com. Blue Monster Prep, uh, I was talking to Pat and Gina before. They were talking about how they have been able to restock their warehouses and and, uh, getting a lot of things that they can to really help prioritize the rush that is still happening. Uh, this, This audience has been very good about thinking ahead. But, of course, people are now, now that we're seeing, um, and we'll get into some of the reasons why, people are looking for a little bit extra, another month's worth of something, just to take 
the stress off your shoulders, bluemonsterprep.com. Don't worry about not knowing where to start. They've got the, the, the best customer service in the world. They could be matched. They probably people have just as good customer service, but not better. So go to bluemonsterprep.com and talk to Pat and Gina. Tell them what you're thinking. They'll let you know what you should be doing. And uh, use promo code FRANKLY for all of your delivery taken off the top. And also, the same thing for Secret Nature CBD. In fact, I would be smoking Secret Nature CBD pre-rolls while you're shopping on Blue Monster Prep so that you'll be stress-free while you're investing in something that makes you more stress-free. That's what you should be doing. Blue Monster Prep, SecretNatureCBD.com. It's 4th of July weekend, and everybody, I, I hope that you all have a... A decent one. I really hope that you do. Um, but what do we do from now? Let's get into the grab bag. Here's a little reason why. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We'll get to the, the, the reasons why people are still prepping big time. Um, number one, I want to say that I was talking to my buddy Christian at Nordic you, uh, uh, Nordic uh, Coffee. That's riseandgrind.us. They're on the affiliates page, too. And he said that they finally got all of their beans in. And they're going to be working on five to, six, uh, five to six different types of coffee blends for me and some close associates and friends and family over here to taste test. We are narrowing down what the perfect blend for the, quite frankly, coffee is going to be. The official one, Jay. You hear that? We're going to have the official one. I don't know what it's going to be. I like the lighter roasts. I like medium to lighter roasts better because that's just... You need less uh, less roasting it means that the beans just taste better themselves. So uh, I'll keep you updated on that, but we're moving along. It wasn't just an empty promise. Um, but this is something else here, too. Here's a story from Los Angeles Times. You heard about it. This was yesterday. I am talking to see uh, talking with Chris Ann Hall to see if she will spend a half hour with me and Rob on this topic next Thursday because me and Rob were discussing topics like this weeks and weeks ago. Um... And here it is from the Los Angeles Times. I'm sure you heard it. Oh, there's Jay Gulenell on the bottom left. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give him some privacy for a little while. Uh, Supreme Court rules for coal-producing states limits EPA's power to fight climate change. This is enormous, ladies and gentlemen. The Supreme Court on Thursday ruled for major coal-producing states and sharply limited Biden administration's authority to restrict the carbon pollution that is causing global... Oh, there, there's your propaganda right there. Restrict, limiting the Biden administration to restrict carbon pollution that's causing global warming. There's the propaganda right there. Fucking bullshit. Forget about that. The justices agreed with lawyers for West Virginia and said Congress did not give environmental regulators broad authority to reshape the system uh, for producing electric power by switching from coal to natural gas, wind turbines, and solar enemy. The, the uh, court split 63 in, in the case of West Virginia versus the EPA. Uh, so Chief Justice John Roberts said Congress, and not the EPA, has the authority to make decisions on fighting climate change, which, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Great decision on EPA. Great decision on BTFOing uh, these three-letter agencies that have no autonomy over the American people. But, uh, no, Congress does not. If Congress wants to give themselves some kind of a power to fight climate change, they once again have to amend the Constitution. This is the Chief Justice. If you think, if you think the Chief Justice is smarter than you, no. No, he's not. Not necessarily. I mean, some of you might be l less smart than he is. 
some of you might, you might be. I don't, you know, I'm just saying, don't count yourself out. Um, so that's one thing. Now, I want to tell you, and I can't wait to have Chris Ann Hall, whenever it is. I know that she's on vacation, so I don't want to pull her away. But this may be something that, it's like the old shave and a haircut trick with Roger Rabbit. She just might have to bust through the door and say something about it. Guys, this is absolutely enormous. Okay? Outside of the moral scourge, that is the abortion question, this is infinitely bigger. This is infinitely bigger uh, than setting the record straight on, on Roe versus Wade. Like I said, that's a, a moral quandary of titanic proportions. But this is huge. This has the power to dismantle everything. If the EPA doesn't have the power to autonomous, autonomously pass regulation about the climate, then think about what can be done to cut the balls off of everything else, all these other agencies and bureaus that should not exist. Who knows? There's possibility there. So we're going to see if Chris Ann Hall can spend at least a half hour with me and Rob next week. I'll keep you updated on that, though. Uh, a couple other things. Here is uh, where... No, no, no. That's not what I was... That's not what I was looking for. No. Where the hell did I put it? Um, hold on a second. This is from the, I think from Bloomberg. All right. This is from Bloomberg. And I would have to say that this will give you a little bit of an insight as to what is going to be happening and how much longer we're going to have to go through this nonsense with gas and everything else. The U.S. will face high gas prices, quote, as long as it takes, Biden says. U.S. President Joe Biden said Americans will have to stomach high gas prices as long as it takes to beat back Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. No. No. Even if this conflict with Russia was legitimate, we, can, we don't have to suffer the price of gas that we're going through in this country because we have hundreds of years, hundreds of years of resources beneath our feet. If we're going to have to, if we're going to have to maintain a, a, a modern society through petroleum, uh, then whatever. I, I don't know anybody out there that wants to take a step back into the Stone Age. I don't necessarily want to be sucking the life out of planet Earth. But if we're not going to dabble into anything that's a little bit more sustainable and, uh, and, and, and free, then let's be honest here. But there, there's a reason why he's doing this. It's not about Russia, of course. As long as it takes, so Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. They're not going to move beyond Ukraine unless, of course, you start a bigger war. They're not built to move beyond Ukraine. This is like a local, local skirmish. Mostly has to do with the in, uh, with the uh, with with the interference of NATO and Western intelligence that has caused a direct threat to Russia. Whether you don't have to be a fan of Russia to to see that they're being poked this way, but th- they're letting you know this is not going away. Um, so uh, as long as it takes, what does that mean for what? As long as it takes for the world to be reset by those who are fighting to maintain control in the next iteration of our declining civilization. That's really what it is. Because there is no outliers here, and Ukraine is just a valued possession of the globalists. That's all. 
since there is no natural way that Russia will be defeated by President Ketamine and his, and, his, and his Nazi battalion out there, Biden is essentially saying that this war will be prolonged and escalated, and once again, the little people who want nothing to do with this will pay dearly for beefs that are not theirs. You know, they destroyed the Middle East, they destroyed Africa, Central and South America with their drug wars and their terrorism and their theft of natural resources, and now it's time to flatten people that they've been pretending to defend all these years, as long as it takes. That's spoken like a true rapist. As long as it takes. And just in case uh, you want to hear it actually uttered in a little bit more of a forthright way, here is a guy, what the hell's his name? CNN had a Biden advisor, his name was Brian Dees on last night, and he said this, he said this about what they're, what they're fighting. The CNN guy, he asked a very intelligent question. He said, what do you say to those families that say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for, where do you, where do you find four eighty-five? Let me know where you find forty-five, please. He said, we can't afford to pay four eighty-five dollars a, uh, a gallon for months, if not years. Listen to what the Biden advisor, Brian Dees, had to say. Sustainable. What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay four eighty-five a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable. Well, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. This is about this is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. If this is liberalism, uh, I don't I don't even want to see what oppression looks like. If this is what liberal life is like, please don't show me t- uh, tyranny, because that'll that's that'll be worse than hell. So so once again, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this was trending on the internet today, and there are all of the, the firemen and women were out there trying to put out fires and tell everybody that they're nuts for hearing what they're hearing. You see, if you hear the words that's coming out of their mouths, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's what it comes down to today. And once again, great question from this, uh, this, uh, this guy on, um, on CNN. You know, it's true. We can't afford to pay this kind of, uh, this kind of gas for months, if not years, because we we don't have crackhead children being given positions at energy companies in Ukraine. We have no stake in what's going on out there in Eastern Europe. This needs to end. And even if, like I said, even if the beef was legitimate out there for us, which it is not, and we have no business except the fact that it was our business that started this, um, then if we wanted to turn off the pain here locally, then we could. We could if we want to, but that's not part of the plan. The part of the plan is to transition us into a green hell, a green hell where only a a certain amount of people will be able to live like human beings, and the rest of us are going to live like Renfield from Dracula eating cockroaches. That's what they want. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to talk about better diets than cockroaches and a whole bunch of other things. We'll lighten it up a little bit. We'll go to the Babylon Bee with headlines. Uh, Jay will be on for that. I'm sure he'll have a couple of giggles. And, uh, and don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. I'm appreciative of your time. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. 
Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's It was a hot one today. <laughs> it was a hot one today, man. And I don't know what's in, in store for us for the weekend. Hey, Jay Gulinello, what's in store for us for the weekend? Do you, I know that you're not a weatherman, but did you <laughs> did, did you did you hear? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to continue to be hot this weekend. Okay. It was very hot on the drive over here. Yeah, no, it was radiating. <laughs> sure, certainly was. Well, I mean, I guess I can just welcome you back to the show, my friend. How's everything been in the last couple of months? It's been great, Frank. I kind of feel like a uh, like a holiday guest. You know, it, it was true. It, it was the day before uh, Thanksgiving. It was it was the last show of the year, so the day before New Year's, and now we've got the uh, the well, the last show before the second half of the year and the Fourth of July. So. Uh, Feels pretty good. This is the first time you've been on since January. No, well, there was April mixed in the in between. Right, yeah. right, okay, but yeah, no, no, but but it's true. Uh, three of the four times <laughs> that you were here, <laughs> holidays, right before the holidays, and yeah. I think that's great yeah. because uh, what the, you know, holidays are synonymous with eating. Holidays are holidays are synonymous with people regretting what they what they ate. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so that's <laughs> what we got. But um, I have some things that we can do here. I think it will be really fun. First, let's just go to the Babylon Bee and see what the headlines for the week are. Okay. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Number one, let's get Jay up on the screen. Here's a headline. Oh, let me let me get you on top. Let's get, get out of the way. Boom. All right. Headline, screaming liberals run in terror as pride flags were replaced with American flags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. This is all Babylon B, ladies and gentlemen. Here's another one. Uh, running short on funds for a July 4th barbecue, man opens the family safe to retrieve the 16 cents he saved last year. <laughs> you remember that story? Uh, the, the Biden administration was, uh, was, was patting themselves on the back to say that people have been saving, on average, 16 cents per pack of hot dogs. Oh, I do remember him saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So wow. A big break that we've been getting. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, here's here's more. <laughs> Star witness Amber Heard to testify in the next January 6th committee hearing. <laughs> well, that would make it more interesting. It would. <laughs> and I'm sure she'll come up with something even better than what we've heard before. <laughs> uh, what did you, what'd you, what'd you think about the, um, the president's uh, leaping through the divide in his, his limo to strangle his Secret Service agent? You mean President Rambo? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It was that. Uh, that was incredible. I mean, uh, it was actually incredible to me how quickly the Secret Service kind of jumped into to debunk that. I, I was kind of thinking that was a, a 
a, a blatant falsehood that was going to linger. Right. But it seems like it was snuffed out pretty quickly, which I was kind of impressed by. Yeah. And I, I would, I, like, I will say it again. I would love to see a reenactment of the president, Donald Trump, getting back to the White House, rushing back to the White House, busting through the front door, and getting getting to his office and fumbling to find the uh, the the, the uh, what call the uh, the soundtrack for Cats <laughs> and putting it in. Well, I'll tell you, every good committee needs a reenactment. So I mean, I don't think we're that far away from that. I, you know, like the magic bullet. You know, I so I, I don't I don't think that's uh, that's too far in the horizon. We could we we could see the the reenactment of the uh, the steering wheel grab too. That would be great. We're getting there. I would love to see that yeah i would love to see that you know especially since donald trump is a he's at least six foot three yeah i i've seen him in person at at trump international six foot three at least and he's a little bit of a portly man yeah. so you think about what a normal limo has as a divider window between right. and then you have this tank that is the 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 president's the beast they call it right and to think of donald trump trying to fit himself through there and be long enough have that well, to be able to it's ridiculous it's the beginning of a saturday night live skit oh it is and, and yeah <laughs> i wish I, in another day right here's another one study shows teaching a teen to drive is the best way to improve prayer life <laughs> yeah no i i would imagine that i pray more and more every day because this here's another headline biden prevented from wandering too far with handy new toddler leash oh that's nice yeah good for him little monkey backpack there training wheels too right that's very important for him yes <laughs> Uh-oh. World Economic Forum banner slips revealing the Hydra logo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look at that fish-faced bastard. I hate him. Uh, here's another one. Let's get to... Let's, here's the last one. As Pride Month ends, Americans look forward to 11 more months still a pandemic pandering to the LGBTQ <laughs> community. Yeah, I always wondered about that. What's the difference? I never knew what the difference was, but okay, let's move on to... Uh, here's something that is not parody. This is real. Um, Jay just, let's, let's get into this for a second. Oh God. Headline from the New York Post. I saved this just for you. Vegan burger hyped for tasting like human meat wins an award. This is a couple of days ago. You never had a desire, if you never had a desire to taste human flesh, you've now have a chance to give it a whirl between the buns. Swedish plant-based food brand, Omf created the unusual flesh-flavored burger, how do you know, <laughs> don't know, which won a silver brand ex uh, experience in Activation Lion at the Cannes, uh, the Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity last week. This is what they literally, they literally call it, human meat plant-based burger, Halloween edition. You think that draws in more vegetarians and vegans or, or pushes them away? I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue who you market this to. <laughs> because because meat eaters are not sane people are not going to eat this. Uh, the the obsession with cannibalism uh, cannibalism based foods is. I mean, it's got. I I know that there's a part of it that's a joke, right? Right. But, but in all honesty, I mean, it's just another, you know, processed food. When I when I look at the ingredients in these foods, it's it's actually kind of shocking that people think they're being healthy by eating them. If you just turn that label over, it is unbelievable the laundry list of ingredients. 
And so I, I actually looked up real quick to see if I could find the ingredients for that. They don't list them. I'm sure it's proprietary. What about that Impossible Burger from, I, I know that Burger King has one. Did you ever look in those ingredients? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all the same. They're, they're hardly uh, distinguishable from, from one another. It's just processed oils. It's fillers. It's things like methyl cellulose. It's, it's a list of ingredients, uh, and then usually synthetic vitamins and minerals, you know, added back in to make it look good. But uh, there, there's nothing healthy about it. You're certainly not helping yourself, and you're certainly not helping the planet by eating that. Um, it's a, uh, it's quite the out in the open scam. Is 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 really what it comes down to. And not only that, I I, I don't think it's unreasonable to thoroughly investigate everyone involved with this product too. <laughs> I mean, anybody who go, who puts all their... T- I would really like to investigate anybody marketing human-flavored human um, anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think of the... You know, you remember the uh, Pepsi-Coke taste test challenge when, you know, when we were younger? Yeah. I kind of think, you know, I wonder what the focus group was like for that for that human meat burger. You got, well, okay, well, here we go. We got, we got meat A and we got meat B. Which one tastes more like human meat? How do I know? It's yeah. the first question I ask. How do you know? If, if you're from Los Angeles, you probably have a leg that's up. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You probably have a leg up. Hey, you know, <laughs> since you brought it up, I think, and I'm not a big soda drinker. Mm-hmm. I brought it up a lot on the show in the last couple of months, so people probably think I go home and kick back with a can of uh, of, of Coke every night. <laughs> but I had brought it up in, in a conversation that if it did come down between Coke and Pepsi, I always take Coke. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel like if I were, maybe I can do a... a, a a challenge one night on the show, I think I would be able to tell the difference. Pepsi is just overly, overly sweet to yeah, me. Yeah. It's just something registers as overly sweet with Pepsi compared to Coke. But um, I also have made some quips about Dr. Pepper reviving me in times where I just felt like complete trash. I didn't know if there was something really medicinal about it. Uh, when was the last time you even just uh, recreationally took a sip of a soda? 1997. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I honestly don't remember. Uh, I've had, uh, you know, there are some there are some healthier versions of soda that are just, you know, they don't have all the chemicals and they're made with natural sugar. So, I'll, you know, but I actually make some of my own kind of nerdy, healthy cocktails with mineral water, apple cider vinegar, lemon, lime, something like that, and Ooh. and it it totally satisfies the uh, you know the bubbly. The sweet, you know, you can even add a little bit of monk fruit if you want, if you want to get it sweet. So I, I kind of make my own now, and I enjoy it, and, and I don't think I can ever picture going back to soda. I, th- I bet it would be sickly sweet at this point. Yeah, no, a lot of it is. Yeah. That's why even when I do, when I, like, every once in a while, I'm like, you know what? I'd like to have a little, uh, a little Dr. Pepper or something like that. I, uh, you can ask Lauren. It's the same thing when I crack open a beer. I take a couple of sips, and I just can't finish it. <laughs> I can't finish. So at least, at least I'm not, I'm not taking them, you know, six packs at a time. Yeah. But I, I do, I do dump a lot of beer, and I do dump a lot of soda after I get my fill. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with you know having that once in a while, especially at like a party or something like that. But it just, it doesn't really appeal to me anymore personally. And and your tastes change, so things that were once normally sweet become again become sickly sweet once you've kind of removed them from your diet after a while well i want to i want to drink what you just described there yeah i'll bring it next time it's it's great i mean it's it's super simple i just choose a mineral water a little apple cider vinegar a little bit of freshly squeezed lime or lemon and and uh or you know you can buy like uh they have flavored seltzers so if you want to add a little bit extra flavor you can just put a little bit of that in along with the mineral water but it's it's really good and it hits the spot and it, it makes you feel like you're drinking so you're not missing out on the social aspect of it but yeah. um i have clients do it all the time because that's the biggest thing i think is the social aspect they feel like 
if they're sitting there not drinking anything, then they're left out. And it's so it's it's I, I always tell them it's not about not drinking anything. It's just about choosing uh, wisely. Is there any situations where you find yourself in a casual social uh, environment, whether it be a holiday or something, and you do you do have a cocktail? Sure. And when you when you do that, do you gravitate toward like lighter liquors like uh, vodka, or do you, does it really not matter? No, it does. I mean, I vodka would be something I, w- I would say I would probably try in that scenario. Um, I also tend to just nurse drinks so that it it just makes it a lot easier to Me get too. through and yeah I mean that's 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 sort of a, a tried and true method um, and it, and it helps people who 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 drink and then tend to eat once they drink right that's I find that that's the biggest issue with that people. It's not so much the drinking, it's what people want to eat after they start drinking. Right. Yeah, me, after I start drinking, I want to eat a pizza burger. (laughs) Well, there you go. I love the pee pee. Uh, and you know, a lot of people outside of the New York tri-state area, whenever I mention pizza burger, they they would say, what the hell is that? So you're talking about a a pizza with burger toppings, right? No. No, I'm talking about a burger that is topped with with marinara and um, and, and mozzarella. Okay. So well, I, I haven't know. had that. Oh, I love it. Okay. I love pizza burgers. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, it's been a while, a couple of weeks. But <laughs> <laughs> still, still. I don't know, Jay, ever since I started talking to you, I really, I have upped my steak and eggs. Good I man. Have, it's just whenever I can, yeah. it's steak and eggs for, for dinner, for whenever I can get steak and eggs, um, I'm, I'm going for them. And, and now I've been even refusing the potato sides that they all come with. You know, some offer um, uh, fries or home fries or, or mashed potato. And I, for the last few weeks, I've just been foregoing that, and I've just been taking the steak and the eggs. And again, you know, I'm not anti-carbohydrate, right? I don't like people to think that there's a dogmatic approach to this. I just think that we have become too carbohydrate-centric in terms of, of our diet, and we just need to scale it back a little bit. So going, to me, it's going lower carbohydrate. So my philosophy is always... Uh, I stole this from uh, from Ben Bickman. Uh, prioritize protein, fill with fat, and then carbohydrates are commensurate with physical activity. So if you're super active, if you're an elite athlete, you can certainly afford more carbohydrate. Uh, your body is primed to metabolize it, so it all works out. But if you're someone who's relatively sedentary, the first thing you eat in the morning should not be a bolus of carbohydrate, especially if you're going to go to a job where you're going to sit at a desk for eight hours. Mm. It makes no physiological sense. So, you know, it's just, again, it's a, it's a very individual thing, and I, I try to tailor my approach to people in, in whatever metabolic situation they're at, but also whatever life situation they're in and what their goals are. Well, well one of the biggest barbecue events of the year is coming up on Monday, and I would have to, so, so let's talk about barbecue do's and don'ts. I remember you said, I, I asked you about that once, you, you immediately said do. Do. So, but... Is that the approach even for the barbecue? Get load up on the protein first, and then fill with fat. Like absolutely. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I mean, I think the uh, honestly, I think we complicate this particular holiday. I think the the summer holidays like July Fourth barbecue grill season, that is way easier to handle than the winter holidays when you're talking about pies, cakes, cookies, cookies all those kinds Hell of yeah. things. Right? The They're best. everywhere. Right? And they and they taste fantastic. I mean, I'm not. I'm still human, right? But <laughs> I think. But <laughs> the rumor is, but 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 they don't tend to predominate. Uh, pre- what am I trying to say? Pre- pre- predominate. Pre- predominate. 
Wait, well, well, what's the context? Just talk, talk and <laughs> we'll, go, we'll, we'll, we'll work through it. Um, but in the, like, you know, say for July 4th, everything centers around grilling. So it's just really easy to throw a steak on the grill. And if you focus on protein, you're just going to have less room for some of the other things. Predominate. That was the word I was looking yeah. for. Um, yeah. So I just think, I think this holiday is very, very simple. So if you're outside grilling, you focus on that. I mean, you throw a burger on your plate, you throw a steak on your plate, you're just going to inevitably have less room for some of the other things. So it just don't overcomplicate the holiday seasons. I think the biggest part of the misconceptions about healthy eating around this holiday is that people think red meat is bad for you. Right? That's the hardest thing because people think, well, I can't eat steak, so what am I going to eat? And so I have to try to reprogram people to think, no, you can eat steak, and then whatever else you want to eat is fine. But you, you try eating an 8, 12, 16-ounce steak, and tell me how much room you have for other things. Th there's generally not a lot of room for anything else. So that's the number one tip, and it, and it works for most people. People are surprised at how little of everything else they want. Yeah, I think that was the, the craziest thing that I was, con I was considering when we – were reading through that thread about that Mr. John, uh, or Stephenson last yeah. night and how he was on that Inuit diet, how the Inuits would throw their lean cuts of meat to the dogs yeah. and that they would be focusing on, on the, the, the fattier types. And, and you know, all you, you grow up, you're, I'm, we've talked about this so many times now in the, time, in the episodes that you've been on. We're told to stay away from salt. We're told if you're going to have meat, make sure you trim that thing down so it's the leanest you can get it. Stay away from that fat, the animal fats. Uh, we, we've been through all of the, uh, the, the don'ts yeah. that the mainstream gives us. And the, um, I think the, the, fatty, the fatty meats has been the most incredible revelation to me. Right, and the problem is, you know, uh, Stephenson, I think, in the experiment, the thing I love about that story is that he did it in the, in the wild, so to speak, right? He did it with the Inuit people, so he had the experience of how they ate, and then he was challenged by his peers to essentially duplicate that experiment in, I think it was in Bellevue Hospital, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and when they removed the fat from his diet, he immediately started to get sick, um, which is generally known as rabbit starvation because it, when you're only eating lean protein, you're, you're robbing the body of an energy source, right? We talk about the three macronutrients, protein, fat, carbohydrate. Carbohydrate and fat are the two primary fuel sources. Amino acids, which make up proteins, can be used as fuel, but it's not really preferable to the body. It doesn't want to break down skeletal muscle if it doesn't have to. So when you remove carbohydrates, because obviously his, his diet had no carbohydrates, the people, the Inuit people had nothing to grow. So when you, and then you also remove fat, the body has no more uh, choice but to break down muscle in order to provide substrate for uh, energy processes. So fat and carbohydrate, you just don't want to really consume them at the same time. But if you're having a lower carbohydrate diet, uh, animal fats are some of the healthiest fats out there, which is just, I know it's so counterintuitive, but, uh, you know, I didn't believe it once upon a time. I grew up eating low-fat foods. I even preached the sort of low-fat gospel, but that's, that's why I think people gravitate towards me because I'm willing to change my mind when presented with evidence, when reading research, educating myself. I don't get stuck in a mode. I'm not dogmatic. Um, and I've learned that fats are, are one of the uh, most amazing, uh, long-burning, you think of a fire, you think of fats as the log on the fire that are just going to burn longer and they're going to help you with sustained energy. And uh, it's just really counterintuitive to people because they have been brainwashed for 
since the seventies, really. Well, well, let me ask you about this one this one little piece of brainwashing when it comes to saturated fats and animal fats, uh, and that is, of course, clogged arteries. Right. What is doing What is doing the clogging of arteries, if not? The, the the fat consumption itself because because that's what uh, uh, growing up I correlated fatty foods to eventually you're going to have a heart attack because the fat gets into your arteries and they they clog you up so what 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 is it there what's the balancing aspect that prevents that from happening and just still you're able to harness the the n- nutritive powers of the of the food so you're asking the ten thousand dollar question right and and the the truth is. There isn't a consensus on what causes heart disease. The diet heart hypothesis is still called a hypothesis about fat causing heart disease because it was never actually proven to be true. But we used to see commercials of people putting fat down the drain, right? And it would clog the drain, it would clog the drain and then they would show you the drain pipe all clogged with fat. And they'd say, if it does this to the drain, imagine what it does to your arteries. And that is a brilliant marketing scheme, but it is, it is, it is absolutely has no biological relevance. It, that's not how the body works. So from, from my research and from, from not just mine, but from decades of research of people who sort of push back on that hypothesis, it is injury to the endothelial lining of the blood vessels that causes the body to respond. And it responds with things like cholesterol, to help repair the damage. And when those insults are continued, a lot of times it's due to inflammation, uh, high blood sugar, high circulating blood sugar levels. Uh, these, this tissue injury keeps requiring more and more repair. And so you think about a wall, if you have a, a damaged you know, wall, you put a little bit of putty on there and then you paint over it, right? But if you have to keep doing that, what happens? That, that spot is gonna continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually it's going to shrink the lumen of the artery Hmm. so that's the prevailing i I would say that's the sort of newer paradigm inflammation and injury and then cholesterol is more of a uh it's like blaming the firefighters for the fire you know every time we see a fire we see firefighters there they must be causing it right no they're there to repair the damage that's done by the fire and so you can equate the fire to the injury um to the endothelial lining so that's as best we can tell at this point it's injury first and then it's the repair mechanisms, and if the injury outpaces the repair mechanisms, that's how you develop clogged arteries and heart disease. Wow. Yeah, we don't get that. We don't get it. We were told to stay away from butter, stay away from fats, stay away from all that. And, just, and we did. And we did. And we did. And, and uh, I, you know, I brought this paper here because I thought we obviously don't have to go through the whole thing, but it was the graphic that I sent you. I thought it was one here. of the most interesting papers. I would just want to read you the title. It's United States Dietary Trends Since 1800. Lack of an association between saturated fatty acid consumption and non-communicable diseases. Basically, what this told us was as a species since the year 1800, red meat being beef, uh, lamb, veal, venison, all of that has declined by roughly 21%. So again, that was part of the dietary guidelines, right? We were told to decrease that. Fats and oils have increased markedly, especially from industrial seed oils and vegetable shortening since the 19. Are you referring to this this uh, image? Because I can put it on the screen. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, hold on. All right, let me. Let yeah, me I'll go. get both of us out of the sure. way here. Okay. So this one was done by the Nutrition Coalition, but it only goes up to 2014. So the paper I'm referencing is actually five years newer, but the trends are exactly the same. Just the the percentages might be off by a few. But you can actually see everything in red. I'm going to bring it up on my own so I can... Yeah. So we have 
increased everything they've told us to increase according to the dietary guidelines. Fresh vegetables up 20%. Fresh fruit up 35%. Grains up 28%. Vegetable oils up 87% since wow. 1970. 87, wow. Yeah, that's a huge, it's one of the biggest changes. We now consume roughly a third of our calories come from these oils, which I think is uniquely problematic. But then you look at the, everything in red. We've reduced consumption of red meat, whole milk, eggs, animal fats, and butter. Okay, so that's pretty striking. That is, is exactly what we were told to do, and that's exactly what Americans have whole, done. Whole milk is down 79%. I, I can't drink anything. Yeah. I mean, if I were to drink 2% at this point, I would feel like it was water. And most people think the opposite, or, or I would say they're, they've been educated the opposite, and they do hate skim milk, but they drink it because they think they're being healthy. So with all that in mind, right, I, I would say, okay, so if those are the scientific guidelines, if that's what the government and the, the, the most, the brightest among us are telling us what to do to be healthy, why do we have one in 10 with diabetes? And one in five don't know they have diabetes. That's 37 that, million Americans. That's incredible. You know, people think about this, especially since before uh, insulin and all of these other different types of um, ways to manage diabetes, it was a very serious, very deadly disease. Sure. So um, to, to think that there's one in five people have it and they don't know it, yeah. how, how are they surviving? Like yeah. what, the, what is the quality of life there? Well, that's, I mean, that's a testament to the human body and the, comp uh, the compensation that it does, uh, you know, metabolic health can be, like I've, I tell people all the time, metabolic health slowly erodes over decades, right? And so pre-diabetes, the next stat I have from the CDC is one in three have pre-diabetes <laughs> and eight in 10 don't know they have it. That's 96 million people. And 96 and million people don't know that they have pre-diabetes. Yeah. And by 2030, this is from Harvard, by 2030, I think I told you this last time, 50% of adults in the United States will be considered clinically obese. And so, so again, and I wanna, I wanna wrap this up in a, in, a, in a financial, like the financial side of it too, because I think that's also important to, to um, contextualize. So we've followed all the guidelines. We've reduced everything they've told us to reduce. We've increased everything they've told us to increase, and this is where we are. So if you wanna put that into financial terms, in 2018, we spent $3.6 trillion on healthcare costs. And if you want to express that as a, as a percentage of the GDP, it's 17.7% of the GDP. Now, I want to give you one more stat. If I was to ask you, what do you think as a percentage of the GDP is national defense? So I just told you that healthcare costs are 17.7% of the GDP. What do you think national defense as a percentage of the GDP is? Well, I, it's gonna be a lot less than that because it's only around, hovering around 800 billion at this point. It's 3%. Three. It's 3%. You see, percent. you see, see, Jay, I, I have as much problem as anyone else with military spending and and NATO funding NATO and our uh, opening up bases all over the world people talk about the military industrial complex and it is a very real formidable force and it has done a lot of a lot of harm to the world but i always tell them it is nothing compared to the welfare industrial complex <laughs> and to this health it's not health but it's, it's something it's sick care it's sick oh, it's it's, yeah, it's sick managing care. symptoms and i mean i think it's it's just amazing when you really, I mean, our enemies don't need to attack us. They can just wait for us to eat ourselves to death because that's the direction that we're headed. So I just, you know, th those stats were eye popping to me and I, I thought that paper was great. And then I went out and dug the financial comparisons because I just wanted to see where we sit. And I just, 
And and the, the sad part, and we talked about this a little bit offline, is that uh, to me, most of this, I don't have a percentage, but from what I've done in the past, when I worked at the hospital, I only had the tools of lifestyle and some supplements and things like that. I didn't have, you know, I, I can't prescribe medication, which I am glad for. Um, and, and what I was able to do with just those interventions, now, I, one of my favorite clients, I remember, uh, I don't know, this may mean something to some of your audience, but uh, he had an HbA1c of close to 12, which is a marker of uh, blood sugar glycation, basically tells you whether you're pre-diabetic or diabetic. And through lifestyle changes alone, we were able to bring him from a diabetic range to a non-diabetic range in three months. So he went from 12, I haven't looked at him while, it was 11.9, all the way down to, I think, 5.6. Mm. I mean, that's incredible, just through lifestyle changes. So, I mean, I, I look at this and I say a lot of this is, is, is preventable, and that's why I, I work so hard to, you know, when we talk about things like, how do we survive barbecue season? Well, I'm telling you, eat a steak, because that is going to be infinitely better than being afraid of red meat and then piling on all kinds of, you know, people don't seem to have any problem if you eat, you know, cereal for breakfast, a, a, a sandwich for lunch, pasta for dinner. You're just overloading with carbohydrates, but if you eat red meat... You're crazy. If I eat bacon and eggs for breakfast, I, I get looked at like I'm going to kill myself, but it's okay if people eat Pop-Tarts and these kinds of things for breakfast. We have normalized industrial foods, fake foods, and we have completely overlooked all the health benefits of all of these natural foods, and I don't think that's an accident. Mm. No, I, I, wouldn't think, I wouldn't think so either. Um, I th you had mentioned something about those wonderful turnarounds with... Uh, some diabetic patients in the past there too. What about and since we brought up the heart here as well? What about the heart like heart general heart health? I know you know I told uh, told the audience just a little bit about what my mom's been going through the last couple of days with the she always had AFib. I remember her when you know I was younger there would be times where her her doctor from her work would send her home with a heart halter every once in a while and just you know see how things are but um, uh, I was looking at some of these these medications that are coming out to treat this kind of thing. Like they they treat AFib with blood thinners, and I, I was wondering like what what what's what can somebody be doing naturally to um, bring the you know uh, bring a, an excited heart down a little bit without having to you know the the the, the blood pressure pills and blood thinners and all this other stuff. What would be your approach with the people in the past? It is very much multifactorial. So it's 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 there's no silver bullet. Uh, I always start with healthy lifestyle. So you need so one one of the most interesting things I think you can open up any biochemistry textbook, and this is really where you see the messaging has gone off course. If you look up the preferred fuel source of the heart. It will tell you because the heart has little, you know, our liver, our muscles have the ability to store glucose in the form of glycogen. So they can store that fuel to be used later. The heart really doesn't have that capacity. So the heart's preferred fuel source, according to the biochemistry textbooks, are fatty acids and ketones. So the heart prefers fat. So when we say eat low fat, uh, you know, to be heart healthy, it could literally not be further from the truth. Wow. <laughs> it's in the biochemistry. So... One of the things I do is, you know, I just finished reading this fantastic book all about the heart. Um, really, uh, I'm still processing everything, really sort of paradigm shifting uh, in terms of this. And that was referenced in that book. And I have now seen that at least four or five different times. And I also saw it throughout the course of my program. And it's just something I never forgot, reading that right there. And it's not controversial. 
It's in almost every paper you pull up on, on, on the heart. You'll find it written right there. So minerals are another thing. So, so one, I want to have people consuming. Again, I want to make sure that whatever carbohydrates you're consuming, your body is handling them adequately. So I check people's blood sugar because high blood sugar levels are very detrimental to the heart and to a lot of other organs in the body, but the heart specifically. So fatty acids, so you want to have healthy fats in the diet. And again, we're not talking canola oil, sunflower oil. We're not talking those oils. We're talking coconut oil. We're talking olive oil. We're talking butter, ghee, you know, healthy oils. And then mineral balance. So that's why I'm a big fan of sea salt. Um, I use uh, trace minerals, you know, just like drop it in your water and it has, you know, 72 different trace minerals uh, because minerals are all in balance and the heart is electrical. I mean, this book was, was, I won't go too far off tangent because this book was challenging the notion that the heart is even a pump at all and that it doesn't actually pump blood through the system the way we think it does. So just kind of like, just think about how paradigm shifting that would be if the heart's not actually what's pumping the blood. So it, it, it goes off into some other areas and I'd be happy to talk about it sometimes. Fascinating book. Mm, um, I would love to talk about that. Yeah, but so, so those are the two biggest things. And then of course, sunlight, you want to get sun exposure. Um, I'm, I've become a big fan of grounding. Uh, again, I think I talked about this last time. I thought at first it was a little bit uh, out there, woo-woo kind of stuff, but you're actually absorbing electrons from the earth by putting your feet or your hands on the actual earth. And we would have done that throughout history, but now, quite literally, especially if you live in the city, you may never touch the soil. You may never touch the ground. I you're know. always wearing shoes or you're, all, you know. So adequate uh, sun exposure, some grounding, proper diet, fatty acids, proper fatty acids in the diet, mineral balance. Those are my big heavy hitters for, for, for heart health and keeping blood sugar rock solid. A lot there, a lot there. And I'm sure that most people don't do any of it. I know that I am just starting to uh, evaluate how I, I the, the intermittent fasting was a very big leap for me. And I've actually been stretching those windows a lot more and more. In, in fact, that's going to be a part of my next question I have for you. But, um, but yeah, those are very important questions. And I would love, I'd love to get more people curious about what they can be doing because it's, uh, it, it, it's also a lot more feasible than going to a Walmart or something like that and picking up a prescription for literally some of these things are close to $500 a month. Um, and, and, they, and they don't really address root cause, right? right? They're, they're managing symptoms, right. which again, in, in a life-threatening situation, I, I will never argue with what pharmacology has brought to us, right? I, people always think, so what, do you just want to get rid of all of it altogether? And, and you know, I, I, no, of course, it's, it's, it's uh, but there ha it has overgrown its usefulness, right? What once was a, a, a place for traumatic injury treatment has now become, they call it preventative care, but there's nothing preventative about it. I, I had a doctor who was supposedly preventative care, but he didn't do anything until a lab value was out of range and then it was just, okay, well, we need to, we need to use a drug to fix it. Mm. That's, not, that's not prevention. That's not, understand, that's, that's, that's not even understanding how the human body works. So, I mean, those prescriptions are the easy way out, but people don't realize that long-term, they, they don't actually, there's no, there's no shown benefit to, uh, for, for longevity, e even with supplements, believe it or not. Supplements are only there to supplement a healthy lifestyle. They've never been really shown to actually promote longevity. So I take s supplements, but they are not a replacement for a healthy lifestyle. That is the core of everything. I, you know, I, I think about that all the time as well. I, I, 
as much as I try to stay on top of, you know, the, the, the beef liver capsules and my green capsules and some quercetin and the zinc and the vitamin C and just all my, my daily routines and stuff like that, I always tell myself, well, yeah, it's good. I'm doing this. I'm exercising. I'm trying to keep my, my mind, my heart, and my, my soul uh, exercised. But at the same time, I can hear people like you in my head, you should be getting all of this from your food. <laughs> You know, I mean, some of that is not possible because of the, 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 the soil has lost its nutrient value. And, the, you know, so there, there is, I understand why we have to supplement now. I don't think the food is as nutritious as it used to be. But I like the fact that you're thinking that because, again, it should just be supplementing a, a, a healthy diet. Um, speaking of working out. Um, and, and listen, for everybody out there, we're going to take a break in just a little bit, and I would love to take some more of your questions. I already see a couple of questions have come in for Jay on, uh, on quitefranklysuperchat.com, uh, on Pilled, wherever the hell it is. If you have questions for Jay, you want to have a quick exchange right now, I don't know if we'll have time for calls tonight. I'll do a lot of calls next week because I've been skimping on those lately. But uh, but if you have questions for Jay and you want to send them in, send them in to quite frankly superchat.com and we will be able to at least touch on them in a in a in a quick sense, and perhaps you'll even come we'll we'll uh, come upon some topics that we can dive into as full throated conversations in future episodes. So do that, please. Um, okay, working out healthy healthy lifestyles. Here's one exercise question I have for you. As far as gym myths, there's a lot of them. Uh, the one that I've carried around with me for as long as I've been working out in gyms and outside of gyms is the whole idea of, Frank, you have a 45-minute to an hour window after a nice high-intensity resistance-based workout. You've you, you, you got that swole going. Your arms, your uh, legs, your chest, everything is just stiff and swollen. You've you got some good tearing in there for that, that, uh, that muscle. And, of course, now you are triggering, triggering the recovery response and that protein synthesis and all that. But you have a window of time after that intense workout ends that you really have to get some good, clean protein sources in. And they tell me, I've always been told, about 45 minutes to an hour after a workout, get yourself some nice, clean protein sources in there. Um, is that a myth? What can I, I, I've, I started questioning this ethos once I started intermittent fasting because sometimes I'll go work out with Rob uh, you know 8.30 to 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays and you know those workouts can be really just you know they can just destroy you sometimes especially if there's some days when we won't do a lot of form it'll just be 200 varied push-ups pull-ups things like that we are getting we're getting at it uh, but then again, I leave at 10 o'clock, and I'm like, all right, well, I can't eat until 2 p.m. Am I, w am I losing a window of opportunity here? Tell me about that. So it's such a great question because I was one of those people, again, who heard this through the grapevine or the bro science, gym science grapevine, and I used to bring the, the protein shake and the things and the you know knickknacks and shove them in the locker so that I could literally, the second I put the weight down, I would run down to the locker. Before I'd even change, I would be starting to drink that because I thought the same thing. Right. So as far as I can tell, the misconception is that there is a 45-minute window where something called GLUT4 receptors, GLUT4, and glycogen synthase are elevated because of a strenuous workout. What that does is that primes the muscles for accepting glucose 
into the cell as a storage form, which is glycogen, right? So there is this unique opportunity where for about 45 minutes, these receptors are upregulated, up the enzymes are upregulated, and the cells are more uh, uh, attuned to, to receiving this. So, but that's not the same as the anabolic window, the muscle protein synthesis window. That window which is triggered by mTOR, mechanistic target of rapamycin. That's, that's the, the, the mechanism that begins muscle protein synthesis. That's open for 24 to 48 hours. After a workout? Yes. Wow. So, okay. as long as you're consuming a high-quality protein in enough of a bolus, so I say around 30 grams I, I want minimum, because that's enough to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Again, leucine is the amino acid that triggers muscle protein synthesis, and you need it in a certain quantity. So if you have a full-spectrum protein and you have at least 30 grams, I like closer to 50, but 30 is the minimum, you'll get that, that muscle protein synthesis trigger, and you're still inside that anabolic window, so all is good. If you're an elite athlete who is doing multiple, now I'm talking about professional athletes. We're talking about the 1% of 1%, right? We're not really talking about, even you and I, as, as heavy as we may work out, we also don't have to perform multiple times a day necessarily. Right. You know, those athletes may benefit from carbohydrate loading within that 45-minute window to replenish muscle glycogen because they're going to have to go after it again. But that's not the same as the anabolic window. And it's been shown that carbohydrates don't actually provide any more hypertrophy, muscle growth, in that anabolic window as long as you have enough protein. In fact, you want to consume your protein with fat because the bile acids that are secreted when you consume fat actually help uh, protein absorption. Hmm. So what's super cool is that the is that nature has set this up for us, which is why a steak is the perfect food. It's got fat and protein and very little to no carbohydrate. So you you consume that 24 to 40. I mean, most people don't fast two days after their workout. You know, so I, I just tell people wherever your workout is in the day, if it's early in the day, as long as you're having your meal sometime that day or the next morning, you're fine. Right. Wow. Okay. So. That's that's great. That's great. And as far as we say, well, if you have it with some fat, what are some good like you? Let's say you have something that's not uh, a steak, where that comes with fat of its own, uh, or or a lot of it. Um, I know that fat comes in many different forms, but let's say uh, I don't know. I don't know. You you have to you, you have your protein. Let's say there's two different things: a protein source and a fat source. Mm -hmm. What what are your two favorite combinations? Uh, avocado, great source of fat. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So give us some protein sources and some fat sources that you'd like to mix and match sometimes. Sure. So protein always for me comes first from animals, uh, but it could also be dairy. You know, so you can do meat, eggs, fish. Uh, yogurt, cottage cheese, you know, those are great protein sources. And most of those also come with fat. I mean, eggs are the perfect. I always call eggs nature's multivitamin because they come with the perfect ratio of fat to protein to carbohydrate. Um, but then, yeah, uh, uh, avocados are great. Drizzling some olive oil if you want to do that. Cooking your, your chicken or something like that. Uh, if it's a leaner cut, you can cook it in tallow or ghee or butter, grass-fed butter. So those, you know, those are really easy ways um, to add fat if you're going to have a leaner cut. I, I don't mind people having leaner cuts. I, I will oscillate sometimes. I'll, I'll do fattier cuts and I'll do leaner cuts. But again, if you're only eating lean and because you have this mindset of low fat, you've got to get out of that mindset because you could put yourself in a difficult situation, especially if you're also restricting carbohydrates. Right. Okay. Well, that's just, that's fantastic. Good stuff right there. Um, Okay, so another one that gets a lot of people, um, a lot of people wondering, or and it's actually pushed a lot of people into some very restrictive diets because they're they're trying to avoid this very scary 
two-syllable word gluten. <laughs> what is what is the uh, what should we know about gluten and how much should we uh, a- avoid it? How do we know where it's uh, how do we know what contains it and how really detrimental is it for our overall health? So this is how you could do an entire show just on this because there's still so much to be uncovered. But gluten is basically a storage protein. It's found in wheat, barley, rye, um, grains. Uh, the 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 wheat protein gliadin. That that's the one that most people have the struggle with. So you know you have celiac disease, which, which is like the autoimmune spectrum. That's like the really sort. Most people who have celiac know they have celiac, and they truly have to avoid anything that contains gluten because they'll feel it almost instantaneously. But a large portion of the population would be considered maybe sensitive to gluten or sensitive to wheat. And so gliadins are these uh, proteins um, that I think the biggest thing about them is that they can trigger an immune response and they can trigger something in the gut called zonulin. So zonulin is is a protein that regulates these things called tight junctions in the gut. And that's essentially the separation between the outside world, the food we consume, and our inside world, our bloodstream. And so you want those tight junctions to be very tight. And they're, they're extremely well regulated. And zonulin is one of these proteins that helps regulate them. And it only allows the things that are, su- that are supposed to be in the bloodstream in the bloodstream. Hmm. It keeps out bacteria. It keeps out all kinds of things. And it keeps out molecules that are too large into the bloodstream where they can cause... A lot of people think this is where autoimmune diseases start, where molecules that are unrecognizable get into the bloodstream, and then the immune system begins to attack them. So you want these tight junctions nice and tight. What gliadin does is it upregulates zonulin, which causes those tight junctions to become what most people probably have heard the term leaky gut. Mm-hmm. That's sort of how that happens. And once that happens, again, you've got now molecules that enter the bloodstream. The body doesn't recognize, so immediately it goes into alert mode, sends the immune cells after it. Um, In fact, uh, the thyroid seems to be one of the other areas of target from the immune system. So there's a process called molecular mimicry where people who suffer from a low-functioning thyroid there's a, a large school of thought that, that people think that this is has a root in leaky gut, where these molecules get in the bloodstream. The body's not perfect. It, it doesn't quite recognize these things, but it also starts looking at tissues uh, of the body as the same as these invaders. And so it starts attacking everything. So the, the immune system and autoimmune disease is when the immune system goes into overdrive, and it can actually start attacking our own tissues. So this is a really, this is a really important thing to understand. And there are other parts of... Oh, here's here's the other thing I didn't want to skip on this, is that uh, gliadin can also cross the blood-brain barrier, and it can bind to opioid receptors in the brain, which is really interesting because... So this is a pretty serious... It is. It is. And and if you go gluten-free, that doesn't guarantee that all of these things are going to be removed. It depends on the processing. So I often tell people, if gluten-free fixes your symptoms, that's great, but you should consider just removing wheat, grains, whatever, completely for a while and see what happens. Because a lot of these gluten-free products are just processed foods. They just happen to have the gluten removed. But there are other components of wheat, like wheat germagglutin, and these are all immunogenic uh, compounds that can cause our body to overreact and, and there's a whole bunch of schools of thought as to why because the wheat has changed over the generations because of glyphosate that we use to to grow the wheat so uh, it's 
I know I went into a bunch of different places, but there's <laughs> there's so much to talk about when it comes to gluten um, and gliadins and, and wheat and grains. But I, I just don't think that they're nutritious enough to worry about omitting from the diet if you're struggling with them. So eliminate them for a while, see how you feel. And if you feel good, don't feel like you're missing out on anything. There, there's no unique nutrient in grains or in those foods that, that you're going to not be able to get from a fruit, a vegetable, or meat, or dairy, or something like that. And, so. for, and for people out there who are able to eat wheat products and they have no really adverse things going, oh, adverse effects or any kind of uh, uh, pitfalls in their health, is it still is it something that you would really would tell them is that something that you could eventually uh, gain an intolerance to or if you're if you're feeling all right eating wheat products should you even concern yourself with going out of the way of eliminating gluten so I'll, I'll speak from my bias and say yes okay because I do think that they can be problematic especially if you make them the base like you know like the usda says make them the base of your of your food pyramid that that's how you should construct your so diet you're mostly mo you're mostly gluten-free just because the way you prioritize yes. protein and fats yep and that's just really it really just goes down to how you're prioritizing your your uh, calorie intake yes and because you know wheats and grains that's at the 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 sugar end of the aspect of the yes. uh scale anyway yep so okay. it's kind of by default i actually think about i just invert the food pyramid so and, w and if i do have those products i make sure that they are from a local farm so they're you know organic they're usually sprouted and sourdough that's a version of wheat that i could get behind but again they c it, it can still cause problems even for people who don't have overt symptoms and i would say sometimes people don't connect certain things until they remove them I, I love experimenting so i say remove it for 30 days even if you don't think you have any issues and see what happens mm. because you might be surprised that that chronic thing or that sleepiness or that trouble with this or that that you never would have connected to a food uh just just maybe was so i think it's uh i think self-experimentation is is a great way to find out because everyone's different so tremendous okay well we're going to take a really quick break when we come back uh we're going to go through all of your super chats all of your questions there and uh and we're just going to ride this one out for the the last half hour or so it's eight o'clock uh, and remember ladies and gentlemen it is july so that means a inter a very valued highly cherished intermission tradition kicks back into effect on july 1st i think you know what i'm talking about that's right the mark swan dancer is back we'll be right back welcome to intermission we'll, we'll be right back
entering. Quite frankly. 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 We all support. Quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. How dare you? All right, ladies and ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so we are back. We are back, and I would love to jump into some super chats with you all. It's me, it's Jay, and having a good time here. So first thing up, let's go to quitefranklysuperchat.com. And what has arrived? The Revolution. It says, Happy Independence Day, Frank. Enjoy the weekend, the holiday. Make it a habit, and tell the Frankly family as well to say, Happy Independence Day instead of 4th. In, in, oh, yes, you're right, because Independence Day is actually on the 2nd. Happy Independence Day. Uh, call it what it is. Make people stop to think about it for a microsecond, and it would just be a microsecond, I think. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Rev. It's great to have you out there. C G or GG1 says, this is the world's best show, quite frankly. Have a happy 4th of July. Thank you so much, Gigi. I appreciate that, and I really appreciate you all out there. And if you want to give me a great Independence Day gift, then please go to quitefrankly.tv, go to the Sponsor Us tab, and even become a monthly sponsor of the show for a, a dollar a month, $12 a year. That's a, that's a what is that, a quarter of a week? Um, it, it would do so much for expanding I, I you might have seen when I was on Tim Tim Poole's show on Tuesday that uh, they make I don't know God knows how many thousands of dollars an hour but I, I mean we have been uh, we have been really limited in our in our tools because we've been demonetized and even if uh, even if I didn't lose super chats I would never be able to get AdSense because I use music that I believe is vital to the atmosphere of the show so become a sponsor, and even if you put a one-time tip into the PayPal, I will always respond, and I will always thank you personally, and I always, I, I always find a way to respond to people who write to me and, and send gifts and all that stuff to the P.O. Box, which is also on the, um, on the Sponsor Us tab. So thank you all so much. Um, I am, this, this week, above all, I've, I've become... I'm I'm just so grateful, and I'm always growing in my gratitude for you all. So thank you, and I do hope you all have a good holiday as well. Here is uh, another one from Gigi. 
says, well said, Frank. The U.S. has essentially decimated most of the world, and now the sights are on us little people, including the people who fought in those battles and orchestrated the chaos. It appears the country is targeted for destruction. These sick fucks agreed. Albert Frederick says, does Jay know what, uh, what pemmican is? And if so, what are his thoughts on it? P-E-M-M-I-C-A-N? What do you know about that, Jay? If I'm... I think it's a sort of a Native American form of jerky. Okay. I think. And I've had it before. Is it from Pelicans? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it's delicious. Uh, I think it's just, yeah, I think it's a, a, native, a traditional Native American um, cured dried meat. And uh, I think it's fantastic. It's actually a great on-the-road snack when people complain about not being able to find things to eat on the road. A good quality jerky is, uh, if, especially if you can make it on your own. Um, but yeah, I had somebody hand make it for me when I, I was out at a nutrition conference in San Diego and it uh, was unbelievable. I couldn't, I, I felt sad when I got to the end of the bag. Pemmican uh, is a mixture of tallow, dried meat, and sometimes dried berries. Yeah. A calorie-rich food. It can be used as a key component in prepared meals or eaten raw. Historically, it was an important part of indigenous cuisine right. in certain parts of North America, and it is still prepared today. Um, the word comes from the Cree word, which is derived from the word pim, fat and grease. Uh, the Lakota, the, uh, the, or the Sioux, Word is wasna, originally meaning grease derived from marrow bones. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that's tremendous there. So I guess Albert eats a lot of that. Let me ask you about this, because I would love to try this pemmican. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but if you were, uh, you said jerky. I love jerky as well. What is your preferred source of jerky? Are, do, you, do you just like beef? Do you like uh, venison? Uh, what's your preferred source of If you can have any kind of jerky, what would you go for? Turkey jerky? No, beef for sure. Venison is good. It's super lean, um, but beef is probably the best. Actually, there's a, there's a brand out there uh, that makes a beef liver jerky. That is, So they combine beef and beef liver, and um, that is fantastic. That is something that I... Uh, when I go hiking, take that with me. Um, yeah, so that's that's some high quality stuff. And if you know, if you want a road snack, hard boil a few eggs and bring some beef liver jerky along. You don't need to stop at a gas station. You don't need to stop at a McDonald's. You don't need to stop anywhere. You're all set. Wow. Well. Uh, another thing I have to try, pemmican. Yeah. One Way Mel says, hey, Frank, TGIF, I, I uh, pulled my first radish from my garden tonight. <laughs> what a great week of shows. Thank you, and God bless America. Radishes. Uh, I love radishes. I can pop them like berries. And let me tell you something. Just just hearing that is that is everything that I have been preaching for the past at least three years on Instagram, but but for lo- a lot longer than that. Having your own source of food, especially with what is coming. I know that people still don't really understand what may be about to happen in terms of the food supply, but knowing that you can at least grow some food know some people who have food get some some percentage of your food from a local farm you know that's what you know that's what the retreat is all about too is to get people to learn the skills to make you bulletproof so you don't become one of these statistics that you have food sovereignty that in the face of all this you can go out back and you can have some nourishing food you don't put pesticides on you know you know i mean i suppose you could if you wanted to but at least you know what's going on this food that is 
You want to talk about celebrating Independence Day? That's how you celebrate Independence Day. Independence. And the best kind, too. Yeah. Um, Mark Swan says, oh, oh Mark, Mark just stopped dancing. And now Mark Swan says, just a quick happy 17th birthday to, my, uh, to one of the two best daughters that I know of <laughs> on the planet. Happy birthday, Callie Jean. Oh, well, happy 17th, Callie Jean. Happy birthday. Oh, I th- if I... Th- I just I would well I well up with tears if I think about Aurora at 17 because just her she's not even two yet but it's just <laughs> it's just moving so quickly and oh man Mark you're probably very proud and uh, I hope that you have a, a nice celebration over there with Callie. Um, Dan Schumann says here's a little something to help the keep the AC running. A great week. Thank you, Dan. <sighs> Let's keep that racing running. I know. <laughs> I know. It, it's it's kind of muggy out there in the it green room, right? so hot. It's muggy in the green room, but it's okay in here. <laughs> uh, Dan, you've, you're, you're always over the top with uh, generosity with us. Thank you so much. And uh, Shotzi92 says, happy Friday. Another great week. Uh, quite frankly, you're the best. Have a happy 4th of July weekend. Thank you, Shotzi. And Connor, seven hours ago. Says, the other night you spoke about redoing a show that normally takes six to eight hours in about 15 to 20 minutes. This is referred to as the Parkinson's Law. Or Parkinson's Law is the adage that work will expand to fill time allotted for its completion. Mm. Yes, um, that's very interesting, and I can, I, I, I can attest to it being real. It's a real thing. Uh, but perhaps not... Not as much as you think. Uh, there are some days where if it's a if it's a guest, guests require research, things like that. But if it's other days where uh, I'm alone, I don't have a guest. I'm just pulling, I'm pulling things off the internet. I'm thinking about whatever. I I, I do have a hard time settling on something I want to talk about because I don't want it to just be about headlines. I always want to do something deeper, and I always want to get into the personal lives of the audience and, and, uh, and find another thread to follow. So that's, that's rough. That's rough for me sometimes. I think that's what the biggest, uh, the biggest problem for me during the day is. And then sometimes, sometimes I'll put something together, and I'll get to the studio, and I'll say, ah, this is all shit. <laughs> and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just psych myself up and say, all right, we have one or two things, and let's just take a bunch of calls and see where it goes. And it's just sometimes the, the switching of mentality is enough to just, you know, I don't know, release some tension, and all of a sudden a simpler show comes together in 10, 15 minutes, and actually it turns out being very enjoyable. So I don't know. I, maybe that translates across other modes of work. But all right. Well, thank you so much for that, Connor. Thank you, everybody. All right, over to Rockfin. Rockfin, everybody's hanging out, doing their thing, talking about food. Mm-hmm. On Rumble, Snowy Baby says, great shows. Happy 4th to you and the family. Thank you, Snowy. And uh, then we go over to Pilled. Now, always on the top, there's Robert Sarns. Thank you. Tom Ford, wishing the best to you and your fam. Have a great Independence Day weekend. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for everything. Space Cookie says, happy 4th, Frank, Lauren, and beautiful Aurora. Witchy Poo 22, happy Independence Day. Let's enjoy it while we still can. Uh, Cave Toads is happy Independence Day in MAGA month. Uh, get to go get you the family and friends pizza burgers. <laughs> not in, come on, not in front of Jay. <laughs> they all come with buns. 
Uh, <laughs> Those are easily removable. Yeah, that's not fun. <laughs> I, you know, I understand. If I am going to order a burger, but say no, I would rather just have a steak. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, just yeah. the, the whole fun about the hamburger, the cheeseburger, and whatever the hell you put on top is that it's on a brioche bun or something. It just it's. Although Frank, I'm telling you, I, I can make you a a primal burger that will without a bun that will blow you away. Really? Yeah. So okay, so the primal burger. That's I guess that is just a bunless burger. Well, yeah, but it's also got organs ground in everything. So the whole thing is in the burger. Oh. And then you know you got your cheese and you got all the things that you know. Oh yeah. I never was interested in liver before you came over here <laughs> with that that uh, that liver dip. Yeah. Like, and uh, it was incredible. Yeah, we got to make that on air one day. That 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 pate is a lifesaver. And again, it's a food that you could. I mean, I'm convinced you could live off that. Really? It's, I mean, the nutritional value of liver is off the charts. Well, I've, that's the other thing that I took special note of when I was reading that, that thread about Stephenson, that yeah. man Stephenson with the Inuit diet last night, is that when, uh, that he, during, even though he ate, I think it was um, beef and, fi I forgot what else, but it was all the meat diets and water, and that once a week he had calves liver to prevent scurvy. Yes. So uh, I was so just to see that the calves liver is is used literally as a multivitamin. Vitamin C, yeah. And if you want really a concentrated source of vitamin C, uh, again, the Native Americans uh, showed Weston A. Price that the adrenal glands are the highest concentration of vitamin C. So that's how they were able to essentially eat an almost an all meat diet at certain parts of the year and not have scurvy. So like the sailors, the British sailors needed. Limes. That's why they call them limeys. Limeys. Uh, but uh, the Native Americans were able to teach, nope, adrenal glands are just as good at providing, if not better, at providing vitamin C. And so no scurvy. I love learning, don't you? <laughs> I do. I love I learning. I really do. I, it's, it, learning is just amazing. <laughs> uh, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Witchy Poo, thank you. Um, Tangerine 26. Witchy Poo again says, Mark Swan, all month long. <laughs> uh, we support great independent media, brother, says Stostube, who's just a wonderful friend. He sent over another great um, great gift to the show. Thank you, Stostube. Uh, Tangerine Donkey Punch says, thanks for everything. Donate through Foxhole to support independent media. Stostube again says, Cave Toad says, happy fourth. Boom. And they're sending over an EMP, which, of course, just probably shattered another EMP. <laughs> Which has just probably shattered the entire foxhole um, uh, platform. It's just incredible here. Cave Toad, fireworks for all. Fireworks for all. Now the, now there's just some chicanery going on between Cave Toad and Stostube, and they're just tearing the world apart. Well, wow, that's just fantastic. Okay, here's something I want to ask you, Jay. Now that we're back with the training wheels off, here is another headline from the Daily Star that I set aside for tonight. International Space Station smells awful because astronauts <laughs> fart more in space. According, now, this, this, is, well, this is what happens to you when you start training yourself as a talk show host. Uh. You see how you can bring this into multiple conversations with multiple people. Now, I can just have just made a joke about this, but I said, you know what? No. I want Jay to talk about flatulence. And and diets and flatulence. So I said it aside. Thank you so much, Frank. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, so here it is. Uh, according to Tim Peake, the International Fake Space Station smells like a barbecue gone wrong after he revealed that astronauts fart more when launched into space. Um, it's, uh, so now I, I don't I don't know how 
I, I don't expect you to be able to explain space and farting. But as far <laughs> as as far as the link between a person's uh, a, a health or a window into a person's health based on flatulence and or body odor, I have been told another myth people have been telling me. I don't know if it's myth or that should be busted or affirmed and confirmed, but um, people would say that if you that you know that you're at peak health. If you have almost no body odor, body odor, and uh, and and you have no deadly farts, what what say you about flatulence? So I've read about the body odor thing as well. I don't have any research to back that up, but the cleaner you eat, uh, supposedly as well, you know the 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 better you smell, and of course you know pheromones and everything. I think the human body is meant to smell a certain way and we probably have sort of gotten away from that a little bit in favor of fragrances which I'm not really a big fan of in any way you know I don't wear cologne or anything like that obviously I'll wear a deodorant but I'll choose something mineral based you know really high quality um, in terms of you know GI distress as a measure of the quality of the diet that's a, that's a really interesting question because I would have to ask the astronauts what they're eating, first of all. You know, I'm sure their food is, is somewhat compromised. But, you know, there's this sort of misconception that, and again, I don't, I don't mean to pick on any one community or another in terms of nutrition, but there is this sort of thought that it's, it, we normalize gas and bloating and all these things because people who tend to eat a lot of roughage, a lot of vegetables, tend to have more of that. And since that is synonymous with a healthy diet, people think, well... The more I fart, the more I'm bloated. That's just a sign that I'm eating, you know, more high-quality foods. And Beans. I completely disagree. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it, there's any correlation. I don't think there's that's any measure of a healthy diet. In fact, when I get people on a healthier diet that does even include some vegetables and their and their their microbiome sort of I, I would say that's maybe more indicative of a imbalance in the microbiome but when people are eating a healthier diet that does include some vegetables gas and bloating tend to go away I look at gas and bloating as a sign of something that's gone awry mm -hmm. so I don't look at it as a positive so I think if someone's running around and they have uncontrollable flatulence or they have uncontrollable gas and bloating at the end of a meal. These are not things that should be normalized and we need to kind of look deeper and figure out what's going on. And very often it's, it requires removal of a lot of those foods that are fermentable by the gut so that we can sort of rebalance the microbiome. Uh, it's wonderful, a wonderful thought there. I'd love to jump into that a little bit more. And I'd have to imagine there too, uh, like you said, to, to, to speak with some of those astronauts would be the key here because I can't imagine that altitude alone is it, 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 it pressure um, I would not discount it as right. being a, a factor that needs to be considered in the, the grand equation there but there has to be um, there has to be something that's going on with the, with the diet I just remember when I was a kid and would go to the Museum of Science and they would give us the astronaut ice cream, the freeze-dried ice yes, cream. Yes, yes. That I, stuff tasted great, but it, oh, I, I loved it, but it, it, it didn't exactly sit well, I remember. So if, that, if that's in fact what they're eating up there, you know, that, there could be an association there. Here's, here's what he says. The, the, Tim also said the International Space Station smells really unusual. It's a little bit like barbecue that's gone wrong. Burnt meat, scorched metallic smell, almost like static electricity when you take your jumper off and you've got those static sparks. Wow. Uh, it comes after... Um, hold on, let me see here. 
I want to see if there's anything else about the actual diet. Now they're talking about Roswell for some reason. Um, that's not. That doesn't sound like diet related. The way he's describing the smell. I know. Maybe it could just be radiation and whatever the hell's going a short on. Short circuit in the st- space yeah. station. Who knows? It's probably like <laughs> microwaving all. It's like microwaved astronauts. Right. Right. Yeah. My gosh. So I, th- I you know, just something I thought that. Well, it's, yeah. I mean. I like learning, Frank, so, you know, anytime anybody asks me a question that I don't have a solid answer to, it usually sends me down rabbit holes, so, you know, I'm happy to uh, to go down those. Well, we have a couple more minutes before we end. It's 8.22. We have eight minutes left. Unless, Jay, you have something in particular that you think we need to, we need to talk, I will we'll, uh, forego calls. It's only eight minutes anyway. Well, there was something I thought, I wanted to put my two cents in on something that I thought was interesting. Okay. Uh, there were actually two things, but... A few weeks ago, I think it was a few weeks ago, you did the story about the cattle that had all sort of simultaneously died of supposedly heat stroke. We haven't heard anything more as to the cause, right? They're sort of still sticking with it. It was just heat stroke. Right. So. And a lot of, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, there's not any consensus among right. cattle ranchers. Right. And right. And, and, and that's not my area of expertise. So I wouldn't claim to have the answer to that. But what I think. This is what I do. So this is going to be just a little bit of an entry into my thought process when I research things. So in March of 2022, the USDA gave a green light to the sale of beef from gene-edited cattle. So the the breed is going to be called, I wrote this stuff down, PRLR Slick. That's the, that's the genetically edited breed of cattle. And now the big argument is, uh, are they going to label this for consumption? In other words, you or I go into the supermarket and we buy beef. There's an argument as to, well, we don't need to label it, right? Which you, you just have to love that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I mean, consumer awareness, nah, not really a problem. So, but the thing that I think is interesting and in how it connects to this story is why the genes were altered using CRISPR technology. Mm-hmm. The genes were altered to create a short, slick coat that would help withstand hot weather. So I thought that was interesting. And then, and then when I saw, so I, I did this story, and then I saw this mass cattle die-off in the context of a food shortage and these food plants uh, catching on fire and, and, and just thought, wow, this is just so strange. And, and I couldn't help but wonder, are they trying to prime the ranchers to say, oh yes, give me this genetically edited cattle because... I just had all my cattle die of, of, of heat stroke. A heat stroke. Wow. Right? So, so, okay. So, so it gets a little bit deeper. Okay. Let's go one level deeper. Uh, these alterations can be passed down to offspring. And as far as I've seen, there are no safety studies done on the, the, con- the consumption of this. So for humans, we have no safety studies. But because this gene exists in other cattle, the USD and the FDA say it's no problem. Because it exists somewhere in nature, we don't have to test whether it's safe, which is totally not science. But the company that did this, Acelogen, their parent company, Recombinetics, did an experiment in 2016 by gene editing cattle to be hornless. I don't know why they did this. They said it was socially beneficial. Let's not even try to approach with that. Bene- yeah. I, yeah. But when the FDA examined... I guess it's socially beneficial to take the tusks away from the elephants right, as well. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I thought that phrase was just interesting to put in there. But <clears throat> when the FDA examined these genomes uh, of these hornless cattle, they found that they also accidentally, they had inadvertent sequences added near the editing zone. And they created 
two different strains of antibiotic resistant genes in the cattle which is extremely dangerous because now you have animals that could be resistant to antibiotics which the FDA and nobody wants in the world because that can proliferate into antibiotic resistance in other areas so this was the FDA actually catching this and it was uh, neomycin and ampicillin that were resistant in these particular cattle so this is the same company that has now created this PRLR slick cattle in 2020 and they just announced that they had received a 3.68 million dollar grant from can you guess who the bill and melinda gates foundation wow so i don't know why i don't know why (laughs) my mouth opens anymore from, from shock so again i can't connect all these pieces but they all sort of came to me in different areas and i just I wanted to put them together to kind of put them on the record because I think it's interesting that we are now, I don't even think the public is aware of this. It's brand new. It just came out. This this Bill Gates-funded gene-edited cattle that was, again, we tried this in 2016 and found all kinds of unintended consequences that at least the FDA caught that time. Apparently this time, they're just rushing it to market and they're saying, no problem. And I'm wondering if this cattle die-off is going to become the impetus for these ranchers to say, bring me, bring me these gene-edited cattle. I can't lose any more of my cattle. Oh, I know. So it's just interesting. I I can't imagine what kind of a financial hit 10,000 head is. No idea. You know, or or, or, or even smaller. I think there was another... uh, there was another area in, like, Nebraska or somewhere where it was, like, 3,000 head. So that's just... Jeez. That's incredible that you found all that and linked it together, though. It was a, a little scary, like goosebumps as you start to go through these things, and then you start to think about the you know um, completely plausible right absolutely it's just it's just the way business works right you create the demand what what is problem reaction solution right so um yeah i mean that's something that i'm concerned with and you know i I, when i was researching some of the gluten things uh, that you had asked me about you know what i also found out this is totally unrelated but it is related to what you had spoken about uh in the intro with russia you know that russia is uh the only, I, I think they're the only country in the world, as of 2016, they have no GMO foods. Vladimir Putin said he wanted to be the largest exporter of organic food in the world, much to the chagrin of Monsanto and all these companies that push mm. genetically modified seeds. So again, you want to take another dynamic and think, huh, it's really interesting, right? Th- again, y- it seems like we can't hold conflicting points of view, right? Like, I can't think that Vladimir Putin is not exactly a great guy, but think that some of the things that he does for his country are actually pretty good, and this is a pretty good thing. They forced labeling laws in 2014, and now they became completely GMO-free as of 2016. I thought that was another thing that was, like, really shocking, just given the climate that we're living in right now with Russia and, and you know, the war, and then just GMO foods in general, which is just a huge push all around the world. And, so, then, and suddenly we're com- the, the world has been compared compartmentalized and isolated from each other. Right. And, uh, and and here we are. The only thing that we are fed is everything on that side of the planet, very bad. And over here, we have Bill Gates going on to Anderson Cooper's show and and and, uh, and trying fungus yogurt and talking about how, <laughs> right. just, you know. So Bill Gates is a philanthropist for gene editing cattle for human consumption with no testing. And Vladimir Putin is a tyrant for giving his people... only organic food and wanting to be the largest exporter of organic food to the world. Again, I'm not making excuses for anything that Vladimir Putin does. I just think it's interesting because we're, like you said, we're never given the total picture. Uh, So it's just just all very interesting and food is something, I don't just do food 
from a nutritional perspective. I do it from a from a food politics and food policy perspective because uh, that affects all of us. The foods that we have access to. Jay, anytime you come across stories like this and you put together, um, you you connect dots like this. You let me know, and we can just do little, uh, you know, Zoom zoom special reports or sure. whatever it we don't have to wait every couple of months before you you come into the studio and we do a, a full-blown show we, we can do little I, I already told you before with the perpetual health stuff yeah. health minutes whatever you want to do um you, you just let me know that would be great yeah absolutely because that, that right there is, is very important i should actually make a highlight of that i think it's i think it puts more pieces into the puzzle to help us get a clearer picture of what's going on in the world and and people can do with it what they what they will well you gave us a lot here tonight my friend and i'm uh, i'm so grateful that you came by perpetualhealth.co anything else that you want to plug before we leave I would say the biggest thing right now, yeah, definitely follow me at Perpetual Health CO on Instagram. I'm most active there. Try to answer all those messages. Go to the website, perpetualhealth.co, and check out the, uh, we're, we're having a, a retreat. That's the biggest thing coming up in October. It is a chance to take all of the things that we're talking about here and teach you how to do it in the real world, teach you how to be bulletproof, teach you how to live a life that is ancestrally relevant in a modern world um it's going to be full of amazing activities uh, speakers education true immersion therapy it's going to be amazing I, I really do think there's still some spots available uh, it's going to happen no matter what uh and uh, it's on martha's vineyard it's in october if you go to the uh, website perpetualhealth.co it's right on the front page you can sign up bring a friend and uh, you will not regret it that's I can't uh, I can't wait to get more on that out to people and uh, and just to keep walking the walk here, man. Uh, I have such a great time with the people that we have uh, surrounded ourselves with. You being one of them. So uh, Jay Gulanello, he'll be back. Don't you worry about it. He will be back. And listen, listen to this show and every show that he's been on, whether it's just be uh, we uh, we but the two of us here or we three, me, you, and Rob. We've had a couple of great episodes Absolutely. together. Go and listen to those again and again. Write down some things you want to explore. Experiment with your health. Uh, there's nothing that can really, um, there's there's nothing you can really lose with just researching and uh, and doubling down on nature. Uh, so there there you have it. And I would love to say to everybody, we are about to get off. I'm going to do the last session of the book club with with um, Timothy Gordon on quitefrankly.tv and on DLive. After that concludes, probably around 9.30, 9.45-ish, that is when Friday night programming on quitefrankly.tv will be kicking in. So, your entire night, if you're just looking for something to have on in the background, to have on while you're on the back porch, enjoying the, the night, when you're driving around, want something to listen to, there is still great broadcasting and great after-hours programming coming up on quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. So, um... Don't, uh, don't cash out just yet, ladies and gents. Enjoy with us the whole night, and I'll be popping in and out of the chat room. Jay, thanks again for everything tonight, man. Happy Independence Day, Frank. Happy Independence Day. All right, ladies and gents. With that being said, let me make sure that I, uh, I got everything out of the way. All my... Oh, Lark's... Oh, hold on. Oh, wait. No, Jay, I got to... I gotta pull you back. We have Not a couple, off the hook yet. Couple more super chats <clears throat> came in. Lark Stars says, "Happy Independence Day, Frank, to you and your contribution to our positive mental health here, and small contribution of my gratitude." Lark, you have been contributing in big ways for years now. Thank you for everything that you still find me worthy of. M N Cat says, "Please ask Jay 
about brain inflammation from gluten. Eating, oh, I think we got to that. Yeah. It crosses the brain barrier. Absolutely. Um, eating gluten gives me gluten dementia. What are thoughts on this? Well, go back and listen to this episode again because I think that uh, inverting the food pyramid. <laughs> remove, remove, remove. Remove. Uh, diet by omission. It's cheap and very effective. <laughs> okay, you know I I have I said that to people for a long a lot a long time. You know even my mother when she asked me, you know I don't have time and I don't have the money to buy organic and I don't have I have the money to buy this and that. I said you want to know something, mom? Uh, the, the first and I've said this to many clients of mine too when I was still personal training. The first and easiest thing you can do is diet by omission. There's yeah. tons of things that it is free to just to say no to at first. You know, that's just that. And I mean, the long-term cost of, of not eating well, it, it's, there is the illusion of a cheap food is just that. It's an illusion. You, you pay the farm now, right? Or pay the pharmacy later. Oh, wonderful, wonderful way to say that. Uh, Citizen Chuck says, Evening, Frank. Always good to see Jay. Love his style. If you get this in time, please ask Jay's opinion on, the func- on functional medicine. Happy fourth, gents. Well, that sounds like it'd be a big topic, functional medicine. Yeah, I mean, the basics are my, my schooling was in functional medicine. So we just use a different set of labs, and it looks at the body as a system, and, and it's not just isolated blood markers. And uh, it can go awry like regular medicine can, but functional medicine is the, is the way of the future. And I think we need to develop it more and more, and it needs to become more, uh, more normalized in the, in, the, in the health space. So have you, have you dived into germ theory versus terrain theory in oh, the sure. past? We got to talk about that when you come yeah. back. I, we might have touched on it. We have a little bit. Yeah. We should definitely talk about that because sure. terrain theory sounds like it just fits right into functional. Sure does. Okay. Uh, Stostube, great Friday. Listen to uh, listen to uh, wait wait great Friday. Listen tonight, Frank. Awesome guest. Have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend. Newton, the family, and many prayers. Newton. Hmm. Newton, the family, and many prayers sent your way as well. Thank you. My family could use all the prayers you can get, and I'm throwing them right back at you all. Um, and just because I'm not going to be alive with a 7 o'clock show until Tuesday, no, no, until the 6th, uh, does not mean that I will not pop on for some YouTube cigar sessions. And I want to read that entire interview that Steve Bannon did with uh, Archbishop Carla Maria Vigano. I might do that either later on tonight or tomorrow night late. Either way, I won't be completely out of sight because I'm not really going anywhere. So uh, just keep your notifications on with YouTube and maybe I'll just pop in there from time to time. Um, thank you, everybody over there. Rockfin, again, thank you all. Thank you to everybody on Rumble and, of course, Pilled. Uh, what's going on there is just wonderful. Khaleesi, Witchy Poo, they're all just making us very happy. I'm releasing the Scratch It right now. Thank you for supporting the growth of the network because that is really what Foxhole injects uh, a lot of good energy into. All right. That's it. That's it. I'm happy to have been doing this tonight, and we have more to do with Book Club. So I will see many of you on DLive and, quite frankly, TV. Thanks again, my friend, Jay Gulinello. Bye-bye. I'll catch you on the flip side. Uh. 
quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super duper chatters, starting with Larkstar, Minnesota Cat, uh, Citizen Chuck, Stostube, Rev Olution, GG1, Albert Frederick, One Way Mel, Mark Swan, Dan Schumann, Shotzi92, and Connor. Love to you all and your families. Have a fantastic weekend. And uh, I hope to be seeing many of you join me for book club and then for a night's worth of entertainment afterwards. We got Josh that is working the uh, the ones and twos over there at the network tonight. So treat him well. 